This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. What is Cafe Mocha? Cafe Mocha is experts, celebrities. What's up? This is Belle Bib DeVoe. You're truly Idris Elba. This is Fantasia. This, this is Invo. This is India RE. So much more. All from a woman's perspective. What flavor are you, baby? This is Cafe Mocha. Cafe Mocha. This weekend, we've got Al Sharpton. I'm Angelique, along with Lonnie Love and Yo-Yo. We lost a couple of legends. Oh, yeah. Black and female. I want to start with Betty White, Mm -hmm. um, in part because the thing that I feel everybody left out of Betty White's memorial is the fact that she was one of the trailblazers of daytime talk TV. Definitely. She and uh, well, you know what? She's been in the business for over seven decades. And um, what people don't remember is that she had a, a variety show and she was the one that had a black tap dancer who yeah. was wonderful. What was and his name? Arthur. And he basically was one of the few black artists ever on a variety show. And the, as the story goes, Betty, his name was Arthur Duncan. Okay. And the network threatened to take her off the air if she kept using him because at that time, Southern white people were furious that she was featuring him as a dancer and a singer. And he has accredited Betty with uh, his career. And Betty was like, sorry, he stays, uh, live with it. Now, because of that, that, that may have been one of the reasons, but her variety show was canceled after that um, because at that time it was just not, you know, it was just not common to have black people, you know, sitting there looking like they were equal to white people. So you have to give it up to her. Even she herself, the way, I mean, having women on TV hosting a show, I mean, she came into the show as just a chick that was supposed to be answering the phone, Mm -hmm. you know, just Mm -hmm. as sort of a, not even a sidekick really. No, Um, but what I like about her career, Angelique, is that it shows that you don't have to be the lead. Her show, you know, if you look at all of her shows, the Golden Girls, Mary Tyler Moore, um, she was in an ensemble. Yeah. And an ensemble group was was, and then even, you know, as she got older in her career, she was in the uh, sitcom Hot in Cleveland and she just rejuvenated herself and kept reinventing herself as this ultimate performer. And she didn't take herself too seriously. That was the one uh, piece of advice that she said. She said, don't take yourself so seriously. And I think that is the reason why she was able to have a, a long career. It's interesting that you point out the fact that she was part of an ensemble because there's so much pressure, I think, in Hollywood to be the one, to be the star. And there's not enough credit given to those people 
like a Betty White, like so many of the ensemble people who are in a large cast and just keep working. I mean, part of the beauty of being a large cast is that it's not, you're not the Mary Tyler Moore, you're not the Ed Asner, everything doesn't hold on your head. I didn't realize that maybe, maybe, you know, we need to focus a lot less on being the star and just on getting quality work. Well, that's the whole point. You know, it was, and she was sorely be missed. Um, I think People Magazine jumped the gun when they were trying to get to her 100th birthday. They printed out a cover and all of that. And so they had to go back and, and reprint it. I was uh, had an interview with Vicki Lawrence. Uh, she's the comedic actress that you oh, know Carol from Burnett. Carol Burnett. And she also is the star Mama's of Mama's Family. <laughs> and she had had a word with Carol Burnett. And through Carol Burnett, she said that allegedly uh, Betty's last words were Alan, which Alan was her husband. And uh, it's just a sweet ending for a sweet woman who will definitely be missed um just few just a few weeks shy of her 100th birthday but 99 ain't bad not at all not bad at all full full (laughs) life and of course we lost Sydney Poitier who was an incredible actor um a trailblazer a leader in so many ways Um, I think that out of all the movie stars Angelique white or black he is one of the few actors that had a very strong influence both um, on screen and behind the scenes. He was originally from the Bahamas. And at the time that he won the Oscar, it was unheard of for, you know, Black people to even be part of a, you know, a leading actor uh, position. Um, Hattie McDaniel, of course, was the first uh, Black person to win a supporting um, Oscar. But for Sydney to win the lead actor, um, that means the best out of the best. It was phenomenal. And he went on to do so many great movies, uh, Raising in the Sun, Heat of the Night. But he was also not only a great actor, he was a great director because that's how he reinvented himself in the 80s and I didn't he know that yeah what did he, he direct he directed stir crazy oh my with, god I love stir crazy with Richard Pryor and, and Gene, Gene Wilder, Wilder. yeah mm-hmm. yep and he also you know he did the wonderful uh uptown Saturday night uh uh comedies so he had a very long and extensive career and the thing that I always remember is that it took so long for us to get another Black actor, Best Actor Oscar. And when that happened, of course, we all know famously it was Denzel. But that same night that Denzel was getting it, the uh, Academy gave an honorary Oscar to Sidney Poitier. (laughs) And so, (laughs) and it was funny because when Denzel won, uh, Sydney Poitier was looking up in the stands and Denzel said, hmm, two in one night. It's also important to understand that he was also very big on civil rights, very yeah. big on speaking out. He actually even spoke up on himself because when he won the Oscar, I believe it was in 1964, he had a wonderful interview where he was very outspoken with how the press was treating him and they were they were, they were were treating him very uh, badly, unfair, uh, very uh biased 
And he spoke out about it. And that's always been Sidney Poitier. He's always been, you know, he's always been speaking up for us and doing the work. And, you know, to be 94, um, I was honored to meet him. It was an after party. And it was like uh, one of those, like it must have been a play or something. I can't really remember. But it was like, uh, I remember seeing Quincy Jones and then tucked over in the corner was Sidney Poitier. And I was like, oh my goodness, this will be my only time I know. And he was 90 at that time. And so I was able to scoot on over and I sat next to him and, um, and, I, and? I, I just introduced myself and he mm-hmm. grabbed my hand and I'll never forget that. And he just smiled. And I said, I just think that you're just wonderful. And thank you for everything that you have done, you know, to help us in this industry. And he said, you are so welcome. And I said, do you mind if we take a picture? He said, of course, let's take a picture. And I have that picture. And if you check my IG, you'll see me and Mr. Portier, uh, Sir Sidney Portier. That's right. And That's that right. I will never, ever forget the kindness. And, you know, the, the, he's gone, but we have all of his movies, the memories of it. We have them. Oh, we have them. And we have great, great movies. Do you feel like And I know it's not really fair to compare today's times to yesteryear because it was a completely different world. But do you feel like we have those leaders now in when it comes to black actors that are really paving a way and, and making a way for the next generation? I do think that we have black leaders in the entertainment industry. Um, it all depends on, you know, what's happening at what time. I think that people like LeBron James have been very vocal. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe that Denzel has been behind the scenes vocal Um, because everybody, you know, now we're living in a different time. At the time that uh, Mr. Portier was coming up, he had to be the face. Right. I mean, there was there was like it was like no choice. Just him and Bill Cosby. And, you know, it was well, you had Harry Belafonte. Um, you, you know, because they were all with with Dr. King and they were all supporting Dr. King. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when they had a march, they had a march. It was like everybody is going everybody was going to be there now today, you know, because times have changed. You have different groups, you have different parties, you have different um um, sensibilities. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're not all seen as one now. Right. When it comes to the black community. So, but in certain instances, you have people that understand their assignment. And, and, you know, and I'm glad that we have the people like the LeBron James. But then there are also a lot of people that do the philanthropic work. You right. know, I, I believe that Oprah, I believe that Tyler Perry, yeah. I believe that they do do their part. Um, and, you know, if need be, they, they will step up and be the, uh, a spokesperson. So I think this is a really good time because we're not a monolith as black people. I think sometimes, you know, other cultures look at us and think, OK, you're black and they think of you only as one way. Yeah, and we are not one way. So if we're not going to be one way, that means that's going to um, that is going to affect us in everything that we do politically socially, 
how we view projects, how, how do we do certain things? So times have actually changed. Whereas, you know, in this, in the times have changed because of Dr. King, because of Sidney Poitier, because of Harry Belafonte, the work that they put in allow us to be a little more diverse in fighting different causes. So it's, right. it's a, it's a wonderful thing. All right, Lonnie, we're switching gears on the line this MLK weekend. He's got a new book called Righteous Troublemakers. He's the host of Politics Nation on MSNBC and founder of the National Action Network. Reverend Al Sharpton is on the line. Welcome back to Cafe Mocha. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Glad to be back with you. Now, you have a new book out called Righteous Troublemakers, Untold Stories of the Social Justice Movement. What inspired the book, Rev? You know, in 2020, when uh, we had called the big march uh, in Washington around George Floyd's killing and Breonna Taylor and others, uh, in the middle of a pandemic, over 200,000 people came. And I'll never forget, I was walking to the, to the platform with uh, some of the families and we were going to make the statement right there where Martin Luther King had stood uh, over half a century before and did I have a dream. And in the crowd, there was this old man that was calling, calling my name, calling my name, and he had something in his hand. So I told the security, I said, wait a minute, that man looks like he is in the 80s. Get, find out what is, he, what, what is he saying. And they brought him to me, and he had a button in his hand, and he said, this is the button I wore in 63. I was here with Dr. King and I wanted to be here with y'all today. Mm. And when I went on to the stage and spoke, I never forgot that. I said, you know, nobody knows that man's name. Nobody knows how he paid his way to Washington then or now. Those foot soldiers is what made the movement. Those of us out front, we got our names in the papers. We on television. But what about the people nobody ever heard of that if they weren't there, none of this would have happened. I said, while I have some limelight, uh, I want to write a book about people that were never given recognition but made real contributions. If I asked most of your listeners uh, who was Claudette Colvin, they would know. She mm-hmm. was a young woman who was arrested in, on a bus in Montgomery, Alabama, nine months before Rosa Parks because she wouldn't give up her seat and sit in the back of the bus. The community wouldn't rally around her because they said she was too dark-skinned and she was pregnant and wasn't married. I mm. write her story. Mm. Uh, I write a story about attorney uh, Paulie Murray, who wrote some of the legal research that Thurgood Marshall used in the 1954 Supreme Court uh, case that broke down segregation in, in uh, public education. They would not lift her name of Paulie Murray because she was a woman in those days. Uh, you would not have women uh, out front. Uh, and she and was she also was gay. a lesbian, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was gay. So I write her story. And on and on. I felt that those of us that did get some limelight owe it to put that limelight on those that if it wasn't for them, nobody would have done the things that we've seen done. And I wanted to write a book about those were the troublemakers that were righteous because you're righteous when you go out there and rally and mm-hmm. march and spend your money and know nobody's even going to know you did it. That's mm-hmm. going to be good. Oh, I can't. Yes. You sold me on this. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I, I love it. I, I love the title. Righteous, righteous troublemakers. The, uh, the title's dope. Um, And looking at these faces and names that we don't know, I'm going to go to a, a delicate topic and that's 
teaching this stuff in schools and all the trouble that it's causing. I mean, we barely, of course, everybody knows MLK. Of course, everybody knows Rosa Parks. But this this push from Republicans to not talk about black history, to not bring, how are you feeling about that? I mean, you're trying to illuminate more voices and they're trying to push the voices in the back saying, we don't need to talk about that. Yeah. Right. No, it it is crazy to say that critical race theory that we shouldn't talk about that. Well then, first of all, you can't talk about American history without talking about that. And it's not talking about that to divide the country is to really show what the country did and how we came out of it. Some whites with us, black and white, you cannot heal. If you have an affliction, if you have an infirmity, you cannot heal something that you will not expose, that you will not have the x-ray and deal with. And the only way to deal with racism in America, which is part of this country's history, was built on the backs of slavery, is to talk about it, find out what were people thinking that would make them believe it was all right to own other human beings. You cannot get that sickness and element out of their heads now if you don't talk about what put it in there in the first place. It's Cafe Mocha on the line. Reverend Al Sharpton, his new book is called Righteous Troublemakers. He is the host of Politics Nation on NBC, and he's the founder of the National Action Network. Um, You know, back in the day, the civil rights movement had a leader. And today it's less about a leader and more about community organizing. When you look at how Black Lives Matter sort of works, what do you think of what do you think of the way they've organized? Um, and do you have any tips for them? Things you'd like to see them do better? Yeah, well, I think, and, and I talk with a lot of them. They work with us in National Action Network in some cities. And I tell them, it's it's funny, it's like the last uh, uh, thing we talked about, studying history. There's mm-hmm. never been uh, just one black leader. In the civil rights movement before my time, when I was just a kid, you had Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and mm-hmm. two nonviolent coordinating committee and the Freedom Riders all at the same time. Martin Luther King never rode the Freedom Riders. Uh, Malcolm X didn't march on Washington. So I think that sometimes we have people outside of movements that analyze movements. What we have today, you have your traditional organizations like the NAACP, like Urban League, like National Action Network, and then you have your groups like Black Lives Matter, uh, which is like SNCC was, and you have other groups. And all of us may have different tactics, but we headed the same way, like they were. Now, some get more famous than others. Well, Dr. King and Malcolm was more famous than some of the people who were in SNCC. But if it wasn't for SNCC, we would not have had some of the things that happened in Mississippi. So my advice to them is you find the way that you feel more comfortable with your tactic. You may not be comfortable with nonviolent protests that I do. Uh, I may not be comfortable with uh, some of the things you do. But we can all fight now for justice for Ahmed Arbery. We can all fight for justice for George Floyd. We never been one way. We come out of Africa from different tribes, but mm-hmm. we're the same people. And we need to have the goal more important than the style. Reverend, do you think that the uh, the judge who said, you know, these 
clients come in with these high profile lawyers and pastors, do you think that was an attempt to uh, shy you guys away from representing and showing your face in court? What do you think about that? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Uh, when Ahmed Aubrey was killed in February 2020, and the parents and uh, attorney Ben Crump called me, I'd never heard of the case. Mm. And we got involved. Uh, we supported the family. I put them on my television show. Nash Action Network went down and helped them. The district attorney in that county would not even arrest those three, said that they, she didn't see anything wrong. We mm. had to fight. Others got in. Even finally, the governor of Georgia said, wait a minute, they should be arrested. They never intended for it to go to court. Then we stayed with the family all year, finally went to trial. They chose a jury of 12, 11 whites and one black. And I'll be honest with y'all. I said to the mother, this is going to be tight because I've been in many cases where I thought it looked good and we ended up with them being uh, found not guilty. 11 whites, one black in rural Georgia. Now, we're not talking about Atlanta now. We're talking about yeah. Brunswick. It looked like Gone with the Wind was still uh, being played there. <laughs> and... She told me, Reverend, I have faith. Just believe God. And it went through anyway. When I saw that uh, lawyer stand up, I'd gone to court with them as I'd been with them from the beginning. And I left to go speak in uh, Cincinnati. And when I came out of the speech the next day, Porter said to me, what do you think about the lawyer saying that he objected to Al Sharpton and he want more black pastors in the courtroom? I said, well, then he's going to get 100 more. We called for 100 <laughs> black pastors to go with us, and we ended up with over 300 going. I think it offended people. There was a day that would work. Mm -hmm. It offended people. How are you going to choose who a family wants to represent them or to be with them? So I think that what they attempted, they thought it would insult us or back us up. It ended up galvanizing us. And I was glad to see black ministers stand up all over the country and at their own expense fly into Brunswick and stand up. And I think that what they meant for bad, God made good. And, you know, it, I, you know, Ahmaud Arbery's killers have been sentenced to life in prison, two with no chance of parole. George right. Floyd's killer was convicted. Do you see a change happening, uh, Reverend Sharpton? I see the wind blowing the other way, but we're not there yet. We need to change the laws so that we're not just going case to case. But I have to say to see the two cases in one year convicted. And now the maximum sentence uh, gives me uh, hope. You got to remember, you're talking to the guy that was in the courtroom when Amadou Diallo's cops walked Ooh, with nothing. Lord. Or when Eric Garner's cops never was arrested. So I've seen the disappointment, and I'm glad to see these families get some justice. Now, well, I would say get some accountability. accountability. Justice would be if they were still alive. We've got more with Reverend Al Sharpton on Cafe Mocha. It's KBLA Talk 15A. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com.
This is Cafe Mocha. Our guest is the Reverend Al Sharpton. You can catch him on MSNBC Saturday and Sundays hosting Politics Nation. And he's got a brand new book called Righteous Troublemakers. Uh, Reverend Al, I want to ask you, do you think that this is happening in part because these are high profile cases like, you know, because it's on our radar now, do you think that juries are going to hold police more accountable or is this just because these are high profile and everybody heard about them? I think that a lot of it is that uh, you're seeing people come on juries now that have seen for years a lot of this and begin to understand when uh, we would bring these cases earlier what was not understood. It was years ago, a policeman was right. And why are you questioning them? Uh, they will have profile cases before. Uh, Rodney King, you couldn't have yeah. gotten more known than that. That was all the way back in 91. Yeah. And they let those cops go. So I don't think it's the profile. I think that society has been educated more because of activism, because we didn't stop. And, uh, you know, you cannot get involved in movements and say, I'm going to do this, and if I don't win, I'm going to get disgusted. you got to stay, and you can turn the tide. You got to remember, it was normal for blacks to sit in the back of the bus till Rosa Parks and Dr. King got uh, it going. It takes time for people to build up and say, wait a minute, I may be white, I may be Latino, but that don't make sense. You ain't got the right to kill a boy for just jogging. You don't have the right to put your knee on somebody's neck for nine minutes and 29 seconds. Mm-hmm. Well, they didn't have the right to shoot Amadou Diallo 41 times. Mm-hmm. But we had not moved society that fast then. We didn't stop. We never stopped. That's why uh, I just keep going. I'm older now. I'm still out there. I'm still marching, still in them cases, still here to Nan. I still sit down and uh, get my hair ready while I listen to Cafe Mocha on Saturday morning. <laughs> Reverend, Reverend. <laughs> we got to talk about this voting rights bill, though. Okay, what, what do you think is going to happen? And what will happen if it isn't passed? How can we assure that our vote will count? That bill must pass. Uh, we are fighting hard. Uh, we must get the what they call a carve-out around the uh, filibuster. President Biden and Vice President Harris is going to Atlanta speaking again on it on Tuesday. We've been on the president. You've not spoken on this. He finally came out hard. He's going to Atlanta Tuesday. He's invited many of us to go with him. Uh, I think that it's not a choice. If we do not get this bill passed, they will be able to cancel things like uh, drop box voting, which is very critical in many areas, or early voting days will be cut back, or they will choose the local election boards, which means they will choose who's going to count the votes, which is nullification. The only thing that will stop this, 19 states has already changed their election laws based on a lie Donald Trump has sold some of America that he was robbed. 19 states. The only thing that will turn that around is federal law. We must keep on this and we must turn this around. We have no choice. Losing this is not an option. I know that's right. It's Cafe Mocha. We're talking to Reverend Al Sharpton. The new book is called Righteous Troublemakers. Cafe Mocha, Angelique, Lonnie Love, and Yo-Yo. Reverend Al Sharpton is on the line. The new book is called Righteous Troublemakers. And of course, you can check them out uh, Saturday, Sunday, 5 p.m. on MSNBC, Politics Nation. Reverend Al, um, why? I mean, what's taking the federal government so long? I mean, you know, these voting bill acts have been floating around now for, what, a year? 
What's what's they've the been floating about? around. The float the float is that they've not been able to get uh at least two Democrats, uh Senator Manchin of West Manchin. Virginia and Senator Cinema of Arizona to agree. They're now uh moving more toward that and I think that if we can pull them over the line uh, by Martin Luther King birthday, because I think that's the day they're going to take the vote. That would give you all 50 of the Democrats. Then there'd be 50 Republicans against it. Because remember now, it's still a tie in the Senate, but the tiebreaker would be the Vice President Kamala Harris, which means we win the rules fight. But we have to get those two. That's why we needed the President to come on like he's finally come on. I, I want... Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Voting rights is literally something that you and Dr. King fought and protested for. Do you think this new generation is dropping the ball? I think a lot of them don't understand it. I talk to a lot of young people, even members of my own organization, and they say, well, you know, I really ain't into politics. I said, oh, yeah, you are. The pants you wear were approved by somebody that was in a regulatory that said the store can sell those kind of pants. The food you eat was approved by a Food and Drug Administration. The house you live in, the mortgage or the rent is determined by regulators. Everything you do is determined by somebody in political power. The question is, do you have enough self-esteem and self-respect that you want to help choose who's in power over your life, or you just want to leave it up to everybody else? He said, you know, I never thought about it that way. School you go to, who decides on the budget? Who decides on the, the on the, uh, the classes? All of that is political. So it's not a question of whether you're in it. It's a question of whether you have enough self-respect to say, I'm going to have my opinion on who's going to make these decisions. Mm. Woo, you said a yeah. word today. <laughs> I'm over here standing up. I'm standing up. I, be, before uh, we let you go, we had a local story here that went national of sweet 14-year-old Valentina who yes. was killed at Burlington Co. Factory trying on quinceanera dresses. It made national news. Um, you spoke at the eulogy. Uh, you gave the eulogy. And I just wanted to talk about that case and the issue with police still using too much force in, in wrecking our communities. You know, when I was called by uh, Attorney Crump and said the family wanted me to come, I said that I wanted to come, one, because she is Latina, the policeman was black, and the act was still reckless and wrong. Mm -hmm. And we've not got to be just for black or, 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 or our own. we got to show people that we're going to stand up for right no matter what. A 14-year-old girl yeah. hugging a mother, dying in a mother's arm. Mm, mm, uh, mm. It, it, it is that kind of recklessness. First of all, they're shooting at somebody who they found out was unarmed. Why are you shooting so wild that the bullet could ricochet? Thank you would you. not do that. You would not do that in another community with other people. That young lady's life is of value, and it was, in my opinion, worth me flying 3,000 miles to stand with that family like I stood with other families to show that it's not about just our own. I can't protect us if I can't help protect others. It's got to work for everybody. That's right. The new book is called Righteous Troublemakers. He's the host of Politics Nation on MSNBC. You can see it every Saturday and Sunday at 5 p.m. He's the founder of the National Action Network, and he is our friend. 
whenever we call him, he is here to talk to our listeners. Y'all, it's the one and only Reverend Al Sharpton. Thank you so much for your time, Reverend Sharpton. Thank you. Thank you all. Happy New Year. God bless you. Thank you. You too. Loving our brothers, men with strength, wisdom, assertive, and genuine in their spirit. It's the Cafe Mocha Swag. Hosted by Rashawn McDonald. This is Rashawn McDonald from Money Making Conversations Masterclass. I recently sat down with Cafe Mocha Swag Award winner Lecrae. He's a multi-Grammy award-winning artist, New York Times best-selling author, and business owner. He also has a production company and is a partner in a film company. In our interview, Lecrae shared why starting his business was a result of him not waiting on someone else. I realized early on I was not going to sit around and wait for somebody to embrace what I was doing. I was just going to do it myself. If nobody believed in it, then it's just, let's just do it ourselves. Fine. I'll create my own lane. Right. And that's what we did because I knew there were other people like me who, you know, would have appreciated what I did. And so we've been running the label and we made some decisions early on that really protected us and helped us. And we've grown. If you want to listen to this full interview with Lecrae, it's available on moneymakingconversations.com. Keep winning. We're at Cafe Mocha. It's Cafe Mocha. Angelique, Lonnie Love, Yo-Yo. Lonnie, I know that you've already Already in, you've already introduced this woman on The Real before. You've talked about her product. So I'm going to let you introduce her. I love this woman. She is one of my favorite entrepreneurs. She is my icon, my rock star. It's Monique Rodriguez, founder and CEO of Mael Organics. And I just I love, love everything that she does. Monique, welcome to Cafe Mocha. Thank you so much. It is a pleasure to be here. It is a pleasure to talk to all of you ladies. I haven't seen you in forever. So I'm just happy to speak with you all today. <laughs> well, the people that don't know about Myel Organics, it's the fastest growing black owned and black woman led global beauty brand. So, you know, when I first started this company, I knew very early on that this journey in entrepreneurship was not just about me. It's about who I continue to bring up as I continue to climb this ladder of success. And it's nothing if you're the only successful person at the top. So I feel that to whom much is given, much is required. So I knew very early that I wanted to create a foundation and also help support women of color um, in the entrepreneurship space because, you know, that was me seven years ago looking for support and opportunity. And, you know, I think that is very important for us to partner with higher education programs to provide opportunities for entrepreneurship and education development for the Black communities and communities of color. So we launched our More Than a Strand um, campaign um, in partnership with Rutgers University and Newark Business Hub to launch our class. Um, and, And they'll be able to, you know, take their leap of faith into this world of entrepreneurship with the educational foundation and tangible resources that we're providing um, through this program. I I love it. I think it's so important to give back. And I I think that's how you create longevity in your business. You already use her hair care products. She's founder and CEO of Myel Organics, Monique Rodriguez. Monique, Mm -hmm. like I said, we all have your products, but if things had been different, you might be on the front lines, COVID giving us COVID shots and COVID tests. How'd you go from being, you know, a registered nurse to this? That's a huge leap. Yeah. Wow. That's so real what you just said. Um, And then, um, and then secondly, like, you know, we just to hear you guys say that you have our our products and you use them like that means the world to me because you are supporting my dreams. So I just want to say thank you, first of all, for that as well. Um, But, 
you know, I started in 2014 and, you know, working as a nurse, even though it's a great career, you're on the front line, you're serving people, you know, but it also has to be something that you're truly passionate about. And I went to nursing school because that's what my family told me that I should do, you know, growing up. And that was the only route that I thought was um, to success. You know, I didn't see black women entrepreneurs running their businesses. But I always had that desire and that passion, and I've always had a love for the beauty and hair space. And I started on social media talking about my passion and sharing my hair journey with the world. And long story short, women across the world gravitated to what I was making at home. I started making my own products, and then I launched just one product back in 2014. And that one product that I launched, it just sold like crazy. And the rest is history. Seven years later, you know, we are in every major retail. We're a global beauty brand. But it was because I decided to say yes to my purpose. Um, And, you know, God revealed this vision to me. And I always tell people, like, if God gives you the vision, he's going to give you the provision. And I truly know that, you know, I'm walking in my calling and I'm fulfilling my purpose because this is something that I prayed for. Mm-hmm. Myel Organics have been saving women's edges for years. <laughs> Monique, it's the winter time, and you know we be putting wigs and hats and scarves and <laughs> and, and, and and Angelique need help with that wool on her hair, hair oh, like yeah. God. She mm-hmm. needs it's dry. <laughs> it's already falling out. It's not. It's not even cold here in California yet. My hair already like oh, it's winter. Bam on the floor. <laughs> what know. can we do? What What are you? Some of your suggestions for winter hair care. Oh, so Angelique, I definitely recommend deep condition, deep condition. I cannot stress that enough, especially when we go into the winter months, you know, with when the season change, our, our hair tends to change and to shed just like, you know, your skin sheds, you know, how snake skin sheds, all of that. It's, it's the same type of concept. So because we have that overly excess shedding because of the season change, we want to make sure that we're doing things to try to combat the dryness and Deep conditioning is going to be super important as a part of your regimen. And if you're experiencing shedding now, I would also recommend using our rosemary growth oil, using our rosemary mask to um, really strengthen the hair follicles, strengthen those cuticles, um, using our growth oil, um, and also making sure that you're eating healthy. A lot of people forget about the diet aspect of, you know, uh, healthy hair. Like, mm-hmm. we have great products, but you can't just use things topical and, you know, treat your body like crap. You know, your how you treat your body on the inside is going to be a reflection of your hair, skin, and nails on the outside, right? So you have to make sure that you're drinking a lot of water. Hydrating your body also hydrates your hair. So in addition to deep conditioning, doing hot oil treatments, using the rosemary mask to help with strengthening the hair to prevent all of the, the shedding, um, also making sure that your diet is intact. Because sometimes, when women have um, excess shedding, they may be missing necessary vitamins and, and minerals that their body is needing, but um, your body may not, you may not see the effect in your body right away, but it starts in our hair first. So I always tell people to make sure that you're also going to the doctor, getting your labs checked, letting them run your vitamins to make sure that you're not deficient in any vitamin because that can also cause um, shedding as well too. So it's a holistic approach. I know what I'm getting her for the holidays. <laughs> 
I'm ordering it right now online. Get that rosemary because you need it. I'm gonna get the whole kit for you. And- right, right. The yeah. vitamins and the water. I, I want the vitamins. The I want the vitamins too. <laughs> Monique, thank you so much. <laughs> of course. Thank you guys so much for having me. I appreciate it. Love you, sis. Talk to you soon. Okay. Love you guys. Bye bye. Here's your dose of espresso. Strong, hot news now. This is The Espresso. Jazz and R&B great James M. Tume has passed. In his TED Talk, he shared the power and influence of music. Music is a unique art form. It's the only art form I know that touches you, but you can't touch it. How do you touch a note? How do you touch sound? It runs through your body. It touches you, but you can't touch it. Juicy Fruit, The Closer I Get to You, and Never Knew Love Like This Before are just some of the hits M2 May wrote. Rest in peace. Louisiana's General Honoré advised the White House on how to prevent another capital attack. Police were very restrained that day in, in using their weapons. Uh, I think they're going to have uh, established a no penetration line. If you cross this line, you're going to get shot. Those police have the right to defend that capital. We cannot have the capital overrun again. And have you seen the sitcom Abbott Elementary starring Cheryl Lee Ralph and Tyler James Williams from Everybody Hates Chris? He plays a substitute teacher. And he's trying to bring this kind of like military approach to educating the kids. But he has to, you know, learn that they're six. (laughs) They're six. Abbott Elementary, Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. on ABC or on Hulu. That's the espresso. That's the show. If you missed any part of it, we have a rebroadcast tomorrow at 2 p.m. Or go to Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Type in Cafe Mocha Radio, then click subscribe. Until next time, you can find us on all platforms at Cafe Mocha Radio. Cafe Mocha is a production of Miles Ahead Broadcasting in partnership with Compass Media. Executive producer Sheila Eldridge. For comments, booking, or more information, visit CafeMochaRadio.com. 